when all is said and done, the bottom line, the bottom line is this. That giving isn't what we think it is. Giving isn't what we think it is. It's not loss. It's not waste. Giving is investment. Giving is investment. We've been looking these last few weeks on the sensitive area of giving. And we've hit it in this letter to 2 Corinthians that we've been working through uh, for a little while. And uh, we've seen this area of giving is pretty key for this church. It's how they'll show that they back God's apostle, that they've been reconciled to him, that they're supportive of God's work. You could say their spending will reveal their love. And so for us, too, we join in this conversation this morning. And as we begin for the third week, I think, in a row of looking at this topic of giving, I want to acknowledge as we begin that uh, this is, giving is an area that is confusing for us, isn't it? And quite stressful. And so I rejoice that today our Bible passage starts, the point is this, right? The bottom line is this. That's really helpful, isn't it? Here's the one thing we need to know about giving. Very clarifying, very helpful. We understand giving, don't we, to some extent. Um, we have this idea, don't we, that we love to give back. So um, I'm sure many of us have bought presents for teachers at school over the years, and that feels like a good thing to do. Uh, we give to the teachers, we buy them a present at Christmas or the end of the year. They survived our children after all. Um, good for them. Um, uh, but also we do understand that there are unscrupulous people, aren't there, in the world who would try and take advantage and and abuse and, and steal from people. So giving is a subject which we're confused about, that we're quite agitated about. And, and at one sense, that's fair enough. At one, at one level, that's fair enough. Um, but rejoice, friends, this morning that we are now getting to the bottom of it. Verse 6, the point is this. So friends, however we feel about this area of giving, whatever objections we may have had about giving of our time, of our resources, of our wealth, to God and to neighbor, well, whatever objections we may have had, here's the main thing. Here's the thing we need to hear. Here's the thing we need to deal with. That giving like this to God and to neighbor, it isn't loss. It's more like investment. And you know, I think a moment's notice, a moment's reflection rather, and we kind of know this already, don't we? I mean, God isn't a, a manipulator. God isn't a thief. God isn't a con artist, is he? God actually doesn't need our money. God's the creator. If he made everything out of nothing, then he doesn't actually need our resources. And he doesn't want them either. Let me say that as well. God doesn't want our money either. What does God want? As we look at these Bible passages we've been looking at these last few weeks, what does God want? God wants us to not miss out on the amazing opportunity of giving of ourselves to him. Because giving isn't loss. It's more like investment with a wonderful return and with wonderful blessing. These last few weeks, Paul has encouraged this church to show what they believe in their giving. He's spoken to them of, of an example of the Macedonian church. He's spoken to them about the grace of the Lord Jesus, 
Last week, we saw him talk about this amazing giving team. And now he tells them, if you've got any objections left, here is the main thing. Giving is like investment. Now, we're going to see that this morning in three ways, three S words that we see in our passage uh, to help us see them and to follow on. So the first one uh, is this. Giving is like investment because giving is like sowing and reaping. Giving is like sowing and reaping. It's there in verses 6 and 7. Paul writes this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A giving, says the apostle in this letter, it's like farming. Now, I don't think we have any farmers in the room, so we'll just have to imagine this. Okay? Giving is like farming. If you don't buy many seeds and you don't plant many seeds, well, then you won't have much of a harvest, will you? You won't get much of a return. If you don't invest a lot, you won't get much of an investment return. I like to watch the television program Dragon's Den. Uh, you might have seen it. Um, Deborah Meaden, Peter Jones. And it's a room with these wealthy business entrepreneurs. And they hear various business pitches and decide whether to invest in them or not. And you'll hear them say uh, on the Dragon's Den, I'll give you all of the money for 20% of the business. And you think, oh, wow, they like that one, don't they? They're going for that investment, don't they? And then other times you hear them say, I'll give you or, I don't know, half the money for 5% of the business, whatever it is. And you sit there and you think, well, do you like it or don't you? Do you back it or don't you? If it's good, then you invest. If it's a good investment, then you invest. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If it's a good investment, you go for it. And here is Paul saying, it's like that when Christians give and serve. Giving isn't pointless. It's not like when we put money in someone else's hands, or when we give our time to other people, or when we share our meal table with other people. It's not like that's pointless. We often presume somehow that it is. But Paul says here, our gifts, they're not going like into a hole in the ground when we give and serve, it's like sowing seed in rich soil. Something is going to come of it. God is going to bless it. Something's going to grow. I was thinking about seeds and where we have seeds in our life. The only place I seem to have seeds is in my cereal. And it, it struck me that that we can do one or other things with the gifts that we have. If you have some seeds, well, what can you do with them? I suppose you could roast them. You could make yourself some little homemade granola. And you could eat your seeds and you could get fat on them. And that'd be nice. Lovely bit of granola, right? You can either enjoy some granola or you can plant the seed. You can grow the seed and it'll multiply. And that's the thing with giving. We can either get fat on it... <laughs> 
on our resources, keeping it to ourselves, or we can use it to produce fruit. Which one makes the better return? I think we know. You see, giving isn't loss. Giving is more like investment. Look at verse 7. It says each one should give. If it's investment, then you should go for it. Each one should give. And how much a Christian gives is, well, it's down to them. They should give as they have decided in their heart. And this made me think of a financial advisor. Some of you may well have been to see a financial advisor at some point, perhaps. And if you go and see them, they want you to leave happy at the beginning. They want you to decide exactly how much you want to give, uh, uh, rather to invest, um, and to be happy about that. Uh, When you invest, I guess, you're not losing that money, are you? But it's just not easily accessible to you right away. So you need to be happy with it. You need to decide um, that you've given enough, but not too little either. Imagine you went to see a financial advisor and they said, you've got all of this to invest, and they told you only invest half of it. And you think, well, that's a waste, isn't it? I've got this much. I should invest. I should invest this, all of it. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be a little bit frustrated. And God says here, each one should give as they have decided. Happy with it. On board with, this is a good investment. Let's do it. You see, giving that's real giving. It gives. Gives like investing. Gives freely. This is what we're going to do. You see, true giving cannot be done reluctantly. True giving is a reflection of God's gift of grace to us. True giving is done for the love of God. We see here, don't we? As we give, God loves it. God loves a cheerful giver. Maybe you heard that as we read it and you thought, oh, that's an awful guilt trip for me. Oh, God only loves a cheerful giver, so I suppose I'd better give. Oh, with a sort of smile on my face. Really, I'm gritting my teeth underneath. That's not it, is it? God loves it when we give responsively. He loves it when people really give of their heart because they love him, because they love their neighbours. God is going to do something with these resources, like seed in the ground. He's going to grow it. You see, if we're reluctant to give and yet give anyway... Turns out we're not, that's not really giving, is it? That's not really, not really investing. I read this week of a guy called Maximus of Turin. No, I hadn't heard of him either. Uh, he was a bishop in northern Italy in the summer of 300, 400 AD when some barbarians invaded Italy. And he wanted to get people giving to the poor who'd been affected by that, redeeming people who'd been taken as slaves. And he said to that that community, he said this, payment of taxes is sad. You only do that forced by penalty. But joyful is the one not motivated by penalty, but by reward. For with a few small coins, they acquire the treasures of heaven. And I believe that's what this passage means to say to us today. Giving is like investment. It produces fruit. People come to know the Lord Jesus. People come to find an eternity in heaven as we give. Giving is like sowing and reaping. It's not loss at all. And I think that means we need a kind of massive sea change in our attitude to giving. We don't tend to think of giving like that, do we? 
We need to unwind and rewire our, our heads, don't we? Some of us, even right now as I'm talking, are thinking, Ollie, this just sounds like manipulation. You're telling me God sort of somehow rewards people who give? And now you're making me feel like I'm going to miss out? Ollie, that sounds outrageous. Is it? Remember, God doesn't need our money, but he doesn't want us to miss out. This is loving encouragement here. This is how we enjoy our relationship with God. And let me say, if you're thinking this morning, oh, God's just trying to manipulate me, maybe that's a sign that your relationship with God is really very transactional. Can't you see that God calls you and acts for your good? He wants your blessing. Maybe some of us are thinking this morning, can this be for real? I mean, there's a harvest, there's a reward, there's a return on giving. I don't get that. What charities pay a dividend? Grace Church haven't told me they're going to pay me a dividend. I give to Grace Church. That's true enough, isn't it? Of course. Uh, We won't necessarily receive a, (laughs) a sort of financial return in this life. But when you sow seeds, it doesn't necessarily come back as seed, does it? It comes back as fruit, as harvest. You see, I suppose it turns out that when we think this can't be for real, it's only because we've got too small a view of what God will do when we give. We think that uh, the rewards must be physical benefits here and now. Maybe we long somehow for a bit of a prosperity gospel, for a bit of heaven on earth now. Maybe it turns out we're quite small-minded and we'd be very satisfied just here with all the ducks lining up for us just now in this world. But God's program is bigger than that, much bigger. You see, giving isn't loss, it isn't waste, it's investment that produces a return. It's like sowing and reaping in in a harvest that God is building to his good in this world and in the world to come. So don't roast your seeds, invest them. Investment. There's There's no minimum There's no maximum. We decide in our hearts what to give. Not out of sadness, not out of reluctance, not out of pressure, but for the love of God in what he will do. And oh, how God promises we will benefit as we participate in his harvest. So number one, uh, giving is like sowing and reaping. Number two, giving occurs when we're made sufficient and when we are bound. Look at our second S word. It's there in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. See, here's the truth. Behind our giving stands not us, not us and our, um, our resources. Behind our giving stands God. And his resources. And this verse here in the Bible promises us that God will always supply what we need for the next good thing of service to him and others that occurs. We will always be able to invest as Christians. You see, giving isn't loss, it's investment. And God stands behind us and at work in this world. And for us, there is no shortage of opportunities. I used to work, um, before um, going to Bible college, I used to work in investment in the city of London. And you notice that some people always had the best opportunities 
they always got the best investment deals. And you, you struggle to work out how they did it, you know, whether it was the Rockefellers or the Rothschild family, you know, these kind of people. Um, and I think in the end it turned out that these people, whenever there was an investment opportunity, they always had money in the bank. It was never like you knocked on the door, oh, dear, Mr. Rothschild, will you, we've got this great deal. And he said, no, I've spent all my money. He could always do it. And so he always had loads of opportunities. And you see, friends, it's like that for us. Do you see? Look at verse 8 again. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, in all times, you may abound in every good work. All circumstances, all time, to every extent, God's resources will not fail us. See, God's person isn't dependent on themselves, but on God and on God's resources for God's ministry to others. And from that flows an abundance of opportunities to serve. God stands behind us. It's grounded in Scripture, it's grounded in the Bible. Look at verse 9. God will make sure that we are sufficient. He has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Apostle Paul here quotes Psalm 112. It's a psalm that talks about a man who's blessed, blessed in giving. And his righteousness endures forever. And you think, well, if a blessed man can have righteousness that endures forever, well, how much more does God's righteousness endure forever? The supply of his resources, his legacy, his action, all his righteousness, of course it will endure forever. And so, of course, he will always make us sufficient for every need and every act of service. The implications there in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You see, God will keep supplying to you. He'll keep making you sufficient. You will keep finding that you have resources and funds to give and to serve. Imagine next week, um, you decide there's some folk who um, you'd like to make friends with, support and encourage in the church, and, and you'd benefit from spending time with them. So you invite them over for dinner. Or maybe you invite them around just for a cup of tea. And what happens after that? They, they think to themselves, that was so lovely. I, 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 I might do that. I might invite them back. I might invite someone around our place. Do you see what happens? A harvest. A return. And your sufficiency has meant them abounding in work. But you too, because as they invite others around and share and there's love and fellowship and so on, you find that you have more opportunities. They mention this other couple to you and you see them as well. You'll have opportunities, and the opportunities will multiply, like the investor who has deal after deal, who's always supplying and says, I'll just do the next one. And the next, and the next. There's a harvest, and there's resources, and there's giving, and there's more service. The Christian is enriched to be generous in every way. From our giving and our serving is more giving and serving. That produces a harvest to the thanksgiving of God. See, giving isn't what we think it is. It's more like investment, where we are sufficient and just abound in the next thing. You see, our lives are awash with investment opportunities, and we have a backer who will always make us sufficient. 
Maybe this morning you're thinking, oh, well, Ollie, this is all well and good, but, but I'm at the bottom of the economic pile. How can I survive giving? I mean, I, I, I want to you know, I, I buy a wooden toothbrush so that I'm good for the environment. I want to buy toilet roll that's wrapped in paper because that's good for the environment. And that, even doing those things costs a lot. It's expensive. Well, how do I give on top of all of that? It feels like righteousness is something that only the rich can afford. Well, listen, friends, God stands behind us. The opportunities may be small. They may not always be giving in monetary forms. They might feel too small. They might feel too big. You might feel the cost is too high. But in time and health, in energy and resources, God has made you sufficient. Rely on him and not on yourself. Sometimes we think, and I think I'm as guilty of this as anyone else, that I need to be sufficient, I need to be confident, standing up to preach, I need to think this is good and this will be okay in order to do it. (laughs) I need to be sufficient before I can serve. Well, this verse corrects us, doesn't it? This passage corrects us. I don't need to be sufficient to serve. I need God to be sufficient for me to serve. And guess what? He is Maybe you're here this morning and you've got a bit of shuffly feet syndrome. You're thinking, I do have resources, but I'm not ready to give and to serve. If that's you, let me speak to just you for a moment so everyone else can just switch off for just a second. Let me say to you, if we are supplied lavishly, we have been supplied by God for a purpose. That's what this Bible passage says. And it's not so that we might be rich. That's not what our lavish supply is for. It's that we are sufficiently supplied to abound in every good work. So the question is, what have I been sufficiently supplied for? Have you prayerfully considered what purpose the Lord has given you in that kind of sufficiency? What is this meant for? That would be a question for you. Perhaps you regularly have more income than you need. Have you considered how you could use it for God and for others? Perhaps you regularly find you have a spare plate of food at the table. So often, who could you share it with? Perhaps you find you have more space in your place than you need. Who could you invite into it? Perhaps you have more time than you really need. Who could you share it with in friendship and in service? You see, friends, there's, there's one power in God supplying us with these things, isn't there? But there's another power in transforming us from being tight-fisted to being open-handed and generous. But that is what God means to happen to us today. Look at verse 8 again. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that, having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. We are to sow then generously. But where does the sufficiency come from? It comes from God. Can he be trusted? Yes, he can. Nothing that we have comes from us, does it? It comes from God. All the good that we have has been supplied by him. And as Christians, we remember this morning that our very standing with God himself comes from God himself. Are we sufficient for our own salvation? No, but Christ has paid my penalty 
Christ has borne my sin. And he's taken God's just anger. He's taken it away. I'm now counted as if I were Christ himself. He has put me in his resurrected son. Was that sufficient? Oh, yeah. And more than that, what has God done? He has seated me in the heavenly realms. That one day, and even now, that I would be called a son of God. And that I could call him father. Is God sufficient? Oh, yeah. You betcha. Can you abound in every good work? Yes, you can. Giving is about being made sufficient by God. And he has a track record of doing just that. So, friends, let's trust God while giving. And let's see that giving isn't loss, but it's investment. Now, last thing, thirdly. We've heard about sowing and reaping. We've heard about being sufficient and abounding. Here's the last S in our passage. Giving isn't just about supplying, supplying a need, but it's about thanksgiving too. Supply and thanksgiving. Uh, It's here in these last few verses. Let me read for us verses 12 to 13. For the, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God. For his inexpressible gift. What happens when this giving and this investment takes place? The answer is thanksgiving to God. You see, it turns out that for Corinth, when they started giving initially, people found out about that. Macedonia found out about that. and We heard about what happened there a couple of weeks ago. But also the church in Jerusalem found out, this starving church in famine circumstances, find out that Corinth are going to give to them. And so what do they do? They start praying to God. The Jerusalem church start praising God. Here's a church that live out what they've come to believe in Jesus. Their lives conform to it. They submit to the good news of Jesus. They're obedient to everything that follows from it. Jerusalem praise God for Corinth. They're Christians by God's grace. They have resources by God's grace. And they're investing them by God's grace. You see, giving is never just giving, is it? Other things happen. And giving, it draws attention to what God is doing in the world. And it brings thanksgiving to God. And it does here. No wonder the passage ends, doesn't it? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God, through none of our own deserving, has given us Christ and given us resources that we can share today. Friends, we want our lives to count for something, don't we? We want our lives to be invested for something. Well, what happens for the Corinthians as they give is that their lives do count for something. It brings thanksgiving to God. And you know, the Bible says that human beings are made for thanksgiving. We are made to bring honor and thanksgiving to God. There is a sense in which when we bring thanksgiving to God, we are no more alive. We can be more human than at that point. That is what we were made for. And how wonderful is it, you know, 
when thanksgiving is given to God for how we've invested our lives. You know, when someone says thank you to you, it's quite nice, isn't it? That's really lovely. And when someone says how grateful they are for you to someone else, that's also really like, oh, wow, they really appreciated that. Oh, that feels really nice. But when someone thanks God for you and how you've invested your life, don't you think that the joy and praise of that is like a trillion times bigger than that little experience we have in this world? Friends, that's what we're made for. That's what we get to enjoy as we give. You see, giving isn't loss. It's not waste. It's like investment. And it draws praise and thanksgiving to God himself. This is the main point. This is the thing that we need to hear today. Giving isn't what we think it is. Rather, it's like sowing seed for a harvest. It's like being supplied by a wealthy backer and investing and investing and investing and investing. It's like doing something to help others, but not just that. But doing something that brings praise and thanksgiving to God. You see, as we think about our resources, we tend to think, (laughs) we tend to think about other people as competitors, actually, I think. We don't tend to think about a world of God-given opportunities. We tend to think about a world of competition. Let me ask you if these things are true of you. Maybe uh, if you find that you're married, you find that when spending comes about, you tend to spend 50% on everything. How much did your birthday present cost? Okay, my birthday present can cost this much as well. Try and spend the right amount on both people. Uh, Maybe you have children. And uh, you try and think, I need to spend the least amount of money possible on them because they're a jolly ungrateful lot, aren't they? Maybe you have elderly parents who need care and support. And maybe they need to go into uh, accommodation and and assisted living and so forth. And there's a cost to that. Well, let me ask you, how do you think about that? Do you think, oh, wow, there goes my inheritance? I I mean, I, I think we do, don't we? You see, we don't think about giving rightly, do we? We don't think about it as investment. We tend to think more of it as a competition to us. But it's not. It really isn't. In God's ways, those who give are blessed. Giving blesses the giver. Our lives are filled with opportunities to serve and then more opportunities to serve. And all to the thanksgiving of God and to an internal inheritance. So, friends, we must ask ourselves on Monday morning, what will it be? Will I keep my resources for my little slice of heaven now? Will I, as it were, roast my seeds all for myself? Or will I invest them? Will I take advantage of the opportunities that God does not want me to miss out on? Bring loving kindness to others and thanksgiving to his name. What will it be? What will it be? Because God does not want us to miss out on this wonderful opportunity. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Shall we pray? Our loving Father, we confess that many times we have thought about giving in the wrong way. We've thought of it as loss and as waste. 
and not as investment in the work that you are doing. Father, please change our hearts, rewire our hearts, make us open-handed givers of, of whatever it is that we find ourselves in supply of. Ask that we would rely on your sufficiency. Ask that we would more, be more concerned about thanksgiving to your name than anything else. Because in Christ you have given us all things. You are sufficient. And so we rest in you. And we live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.